when I have comments when I'm not well, when I'm down on my lowest, that's when it's the worst. And I always, that affects me then. But then I always think to myself, my mum reminded me, she was like, but you're growing a blessing. She was like, the, the one thing that you should be concerned about, not your body, it's a sacrifice. You should be concerned about your baby, making sure it's healthy. So that's the one thing I do revert back to if I ever feel like after those comments, I ever feel like shit about myself. My partner's really good with that. He always tells me I'm beautiful. He always says, no, don't listen to anyone else. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Rate Active podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to inspire your wellness for your body and mind. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. She is a TV personality, influencer, and Big Brother star. Welcome to the show, Tahan Lu Fat. Hi, Rach. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for being on the show. I'm so excited to have you on. I think it's going to be so fun and I'm so glad that we get to sit down and chat with each other. And of course, you're about to give birth to your second child. So yes. I'm so glad that we got this in beforehand. I know. <laughs> We're not cutting it too fine, are we? No, I'm due in April, mid-April. But if I'm okay. anything like my last pregnancy, I could go two weeks early again. So who knows? I'm 31 okay. weeks at the moment, like literally to this day. So we could see a baby in the next, I don't know, nine-ish weeks in between. Nine-ish weeks. Yeah. We're not, we're not on the edge of possibly having a live birth on the podcast. No, although. <laughs> but although my mum, she's had five kids and her third, she went preemie and she had her baby at 31 weeks. So, I mean, so who knows? anything's possible, but let's just, <laughs> I went to the, my midwife appointment yesterday and it was all fine. So I should be fine. <laughs> should be okay. Yeah. But just prepare yourself. Anything could happen. Exactly. <laughs> Which would be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> now, this is your second child with your partner, David Reynolds, who is a V8 supercar driver. Now, do you ever get worried when Dave goes away to race? Because he's away a lot, right? He is. He just got back from the Bathurst 12 hour and there was a few like crazy crashes there. Um, and there are different cars to the V8. So when I watch the V8, I think I'm a little bit naive. I'm always like, you know, he's fine. They've got a really good safety shell around them. He'll be fine. But I mean, again, anything can happen. So I always do get nervous. I'm also nervous when he's at the front because, you know, mm, there's a tendency yeah. to happen. But the crashes normally happen mid-pack to back. So that's when I'm not nervous. I'm like, oh, he's not doing that well. doesn't really matter. But I should be more nervous <laughs> for him, him and his safety at that point. <laughs> My gosh. It's weird that it's that it's worse at the front because then obviously you're in front when yeah. you're winning. So then you, there's a higher risk there. Yeah. Well, and no, so there's mid, more risk. Mid to back. Mid, yeah, more risk of crashes and accidents mid to back. But when you're at the front, you're more nervous because – you know, you can only go backwards. So yeah, you're more nervous for other yeah, yeah. reasons, not for their safety. Just not for, for the like, safety reasons. You're just like, I want them to do well. I don't want them to like, you know, crash out the, at the top, at the front. But, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's super. <laughs> I feel like I don't know how I would be if I had a partner who who raced supercars because I feel like yeah, it's such a risky kind of um, sport, really. Yeah, it's like very adrenaline. They have the adrenaline, but you also have the adrenaline because it's very fast and yeah. literally milliseconds like make yeah. a difference in that sport. But it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I never really was into it before I was with David. 
but there's so much strategy and science behind it. I literally was like, oh, they're just cars going in circles, big whoop. But there's so many different elements to it. It's crazy. So nuts. Now, I, we, we also have a mutual connection because we know Dave's physio. Yep. So this is, this is really <laughs> kind of cool that we get to connect this way. <laughs> yeah. And, Nicole, and it's so funny because I know Nicole and I love Nicole. And I remember when he would first tell me, I'm like, I'm going to my physio to get a massage. And he's like, I'm going to go see Nicole. I'm like, who's Nicole? Who's Nicole? Who's this chick? <laughs> Um, but I know Nicole and I'm like we love each other but it was just funny he was like always going to get this massage from Nicole and I was like who is who is this Nicole chick yeah I feel like we need to shout out Nicole now from Highline Highline yes yes. she is fantastic but she also works she works for another team in the supercar she works for Walkinshaw Yeah, she does a lot of a lot of different drivers too. Her clients, a lot of different drivers. Yeah, correct. Now, one of the things that I find really interesting is your ethnic background because it's quite unique, right? You have Aboriginal, Chinese, and Malaysian heritage, right? Yeah, and you grew up in Darwin. And one of the things that I know about Darwin, and I've only been there sort of (laughs) once, is that they have really good laksa there. Curry yes. laksa. Everyone right? loves the laksa. You have to the go to the market. The laksa in Darwin. Yeah. I think yeah. well, it's so funny because I feel like Darwin's so close to Asia. I feel like mm. we have a lot of Asian influence. And it's when we when I was living up there, I was living up there up until I was 15. I was born and raised in Darwin. So all I knew and pretty much is instilled in me is Darwin, you know, lifestyle cuisine it's always traditional Asian food. So when I came down south, I was like, this isn't Asian food. This isn't laksa. This isn't what it is. So I feel like it's more very, um, what's, it's more authentic in Darwin. And that's why I think it yeah. makes it such a, you know, better tasting cuisine up there. <laughs> it's something that you wouldn't think about Darwin at all. I, I mean, I know when I went up there, I thought this is, I just didn't expect to to see that kind of cuisine up there because I also have Chinese Malaysian part of me heritage yeah. right yeah so and and laksa is like literally one of my favorite <laughs> meals and it's really good in Darwin. I was so surprised so one thing I wanted to know about is tell me what it was like growing up as someone with that really unique ethnic mix in Darwin because firstly Darwin is a you know it's a small place yeah. I guess compared to Melbourne Sydney and the rest of the cities in Australia but also having that really unique mix in terms of your ethnic background. How was that for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's always been a really big talking point for me and icebreaker for people because people can never pick at my nationality or what I look like. Um, but I honestly find that it is a lot, it's very common in Darwin. Um, there's a lot of Asian Aboriginal mixes up there as well. So it's like mm. whilst it's very different when I come down here, down south, like when I say down south, I mean like, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, um, and, and Adelaide and WA, wherever. Um, <laughs> everywhere yeah, else, everywhere in, else Australia. in Australia. But Darwin, <laughs> I find it, it's still quite, it's, a, um, it's like because it's so small, there's a high percentage of mixed race kids up there, I find. I find a lot of Indigenous mm. Asian mixes. So a lot of my friends are the same, but I feel like, it's still, I, it's hard because I've never solely identified as one race either. So I've like never been, you know, Indigenous enough to be fully Indigenous and I've never been white enough or Asian enough to be in of those. So I feel like I've got the best of both worlds. I've always had like a really multicultural upbringing. And in Darwin, everyone gets a lot, like I mean, it's so small. Everyone just like hangs out. There's no cliques. And I found when I moved from Darwin, I moved from Darwin to Brizzy when I was 15. I went to high school for my last two years. I found it was very um, clicky. I mean, that might have just been my experience. But in Darwin, 
everyone's just like this big melting cultural pot. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I kind of fit in in Darwin, even though I was different. I was very different in terms of my background. But when I got down south, that's when I noticed the Notice the difference. The difference. Yeah, the, yeah, the difference more highlighted it. So yeah, yeah. Now you burst into the media entertainment scene back in 2013 when you were on Big Brother and you were in your early 20s back then. Yeah. So tell me what it was like to be someone who was not of Anglo-European descent in the media because that I feel like would have been an interesting experience. Yeah. So what was that like for you? Well, and that was my whole thing. Like when I was auditioning for Big Brother, um, they were basically like you know, talking to me about why I wanted to do the show. And part of the reason was I wanted to do like uh, represent multiculturalism on like a, you know, national scale, like scale. So that was one of my talking points of getting on the show. I mean, it kind of worked and I got on the show. Um, And I felt like it was a really, I don't know, I think it was a good experience in terms of highlighting different ethnic and different multicultural backgrounds. So I think it was a good thing as well. I mean, I feel like it was, all over the experience is great. I'd do it all over again. But again, it really messed with me psychologically as well. Like it really like, even my partner was, I was really strong-minded before I went in the house. And then after the house, I kind of got knocked around a bit just with like, I don't know, a bit of anxiety and just like the fact people knowing who I am and asking questions and just, it was really like, what's the word? I always say I got a little bit of depression after the show. Because I wasn't really? used, to, yeah, I wasn't used to people talking about me and talking. And I know there was a thing I had a thing with Michaela on the show, um, and she was also um, she had a Korean background, but she was adopted. So we had a big thing about like what was internal racism on the show. It was that was a little bit of a thing, part of the episodes that were on it. So I didn't really, yeah, it was really hard to deal with after because you go in not knowing or having any media training, and then you come out and you're like what the hell just happened and yeah. yeah it really affects with you but I think I've grown yeah. I've grown a lot from that like wiser learned a lot and I'm still yeah. um yeah I'm still learning about myself as well I mean I learned a lot about myself on the show which is actually kind of crazy um which is silly to admit but you do you learn a lot about going on a show like that Mm. What did what do you think the biggest thing is that you learned about yourself from doing Big Brother? I feel like I learned that it's so for me, I'm one of the people who speak my mind. And I spoke my mind a lot on the show and it did get me in trouble sometimes on the show. But I feel like it also I'm I'm okay to stand on my own, like in my own truth, in my own identity, I guess. Like I was okay. It's okay if you stand for me, it's okay to stand alone. You don't have to be with the masses, you don't have to be right. As long as you know who you are and believe what you do is okay, then that's okay, if that makes any sense. Like I learned that I don't have to follow or be anyone else. It's okay to be you. And if if people don't like it, that's okay. Like that's what the big thing I learned. The big thing was just being yourself. And it sounds really corny and cliche, but it's okay to be yourself. And I've, I've always been like that. My sister was like, I admired that from you from a young age. Like I never cared what anyone thought about me or anyone said about me. As long as I, I mean, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, I'm not like, you know, disrespecting anyone. I'm just okay to be okay in my own self. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. Yeah. I feel like that's something that we all struggle with though, even especially now with social media and, oh. and sort of being previewed to everybody else's life and also being able to put yourself out there on your own channels and things like that, that I feel like that's something that 
everybody experiences 100%. to some degree, right? Yeah. yeah. So how how do you go with it now in terms of because you're still in the media space, you're sort of working more um, with your influencer work and all that kind of stuff, but still in media. Have you noticed anything that's changed in terms of the diversity in terms of your experience from when you were on Big Brother, how you felt then to now and what the space is doing now in terms of representation and diversity and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it's grown so much and I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people paid the way for it and I think there's so much diversity now in our screens and social media and I love it. Um, I'm not a fan of like tokenistic stuff. I don't want people to just be there just because they're a woman or they're Asian or they're black or whatever. I'm not a fan of that but I'm a fan of more representation. We need representation. You need to see it. You need kids need to see it. People need to aspire to it. So I'm, there's a fine line between it being just tokenistic and being um, there for a reason. But I feel like now it's more inclusive. I feel in my newsfeed, when I see my newsfeed, I don't know if everyone else follows, I mean, you choose and dictate who you follow, but I see a lot of multiculturalism. I see a lot of um, diversity. I see, you know, even like a lot of, gay pride coming through as well. And I think that's great. I think we need that. I think we need representation. So I think it's from when I was in Big Brother, which was 10 years ago or maybe even more than 10 years ago now, um, it's been a big change. And I feel like a lot of reality TV may have paved the way for that. And I'm really grateful that I got to be part of that as well. Yeah, no, it is, it's so true. I think that back in the day it was it was a lot more rare to see different faces on television Correct. and even when i started back as an actor back in the day same thing you know there was just not that many faces of different ethnicities and now you're right it's so it's changing so much and again i agree with you with the tokenism because you don't want it just to be there for the sake of it yeah. being there you want it to actually represent i guess society and the culture that we're living in yeah exactly and mean something like I just I don't I'm not agreeing with just like putting a woman in for the sake of putting a woman in I'm not I'm not about that but I do believe that we do need to see women or more you know multicultural people or you know whatever the case may be I think we do need more of it I think we can still do better I'm not gonna lie I still think that there is room for improvement but again I think that's that's where the fine line of tokenistic and um it meaningful happens like we need to because if it's if it's just tokenistic people won't care people won't yeah. it won't mean anything so yeah. but I'm, I'm glad it's definitely changing it's going in that direction yeah me too I'm, I'm really glad to see it as well now obviously you are pregnant and you have done this once <gasps> before already yes <laughs> <laughs> and the topic of women and pregnancy and body image I know is a subject that you're really passionate about yes. and so I think we'll start with your first pregnancy and kind of go back to your experience then can you take me back to then and how you felt about the changes that were occurring in your body and the expectations you had and all those kinds of things. Because I know women listening to the podcast, I mean, I've spoken to women on this show, but also had conversations with girlfriends around these kinds of things. So can you take me back to what was going on for you during your first pregnancy? Well, my first pregnancy, I think I was like in a cloud and I just didn't Mm. care about anything. I didn't care what anyone said or thought. I was just like excited to be pregnant. I just, I wanted, I wanted it for so long. I think I've been with my partner for 10 years now and nagged him for five years to get me pregnant. (laughs) So when I was (laughs) pregnant, I was just like, 
I, and I actually had an easy pregnancy. I'd say, I say easy because I was like, oh, bragging how, what a breeze it was. I didn't really get sick or anything like that. I was, had so much energy. I was working out. I was loving myself. Sick. Like I felt amazing my first pregnancy. And, you know, I'd get some comments here and there, but it didn't affect me because I was like, I'm pregnant. I don't care. Like think whatever yeah. you want. I don't care. Um, yeah. And I think a few comments like came towards the end of my pregnancy because I went from like not showing to all of a sudden having this bump and like things happen with your body. You can't change it when you're pregnant. I don't normally have boobs, but I got boobs. So naturally I look bigger as well. Uh, and that's what you're meant to do when you grow a baby. You're meant to grow. Like it's, that's a thing. It's natural. Um, mm. And then at the, towards the end I got comments like, oh, you sure you're not having twins? And I was like, that's a bit rude, but I didn't, it didn't affect me because I was like, you know what? I'm pregnant. I'm having the best life. This is the best thing can happen. No one can bring me down. Um, so I had the best time, loved being pregnant. I would like, I'd do it again, time and time again. Love it. Fast forward to this time round, second time round, it's a bit harder. I'm chasing after a toddler. I don't have as much energy as I did the first time round. I mean, I'm being active. I'm still eating well. My partner, David, is really big on like what I should be eating when I'm pregnant. He's really like, no seed oils, no this, no that. So for this pregnancy and the last pregnancy, I didn't crave any. Last pregnancy, I didn't crave any junk, nothing. I was pretty good. Mm. This pregnancy, I'm like, oh, I could do a chocolate here and then. I don't really normally eat chocolate. Like I can't stand chocolate when I'm not pregnant. So this pregnancy, I'm like, oh, I can, you know, have a little bit here and there. It's fine. I need a bit of sweetness. But this time around, I'm getting so many comments and I don't know why or what what goes through people's mind Mm. to comment on a pregnant person's body. So last time it didn't affect me. This time I'm like, no, this is really making me mad. Like comments. I know people mean, some people, I can tell when people mean it in a really enduring way. Like, oh my God, there's a bump. You've got a bump. That's nice. That's fine. I can deal with that. But when there's comments like, oh my God, you're so huge. You're so big. Oh my God, you're so fat this time. Oh, um, are you sure you're not having twins again? Are you sure? Like, that is who are these people that are commenting i'm so confused i was at a birthday party recently and there was me and another pregnant chick and the same lady said it to both of us and we were just like mortified like she kept insisting are you guys sure you're not having twins and i was like i actually said i'm like that is the rudest thing to say to someone we've just told you we're not so i don't know what people what goes through people's mind to comment on a pregnant in a woman let alone a pregnant person's body i just like i just don't understand these comments from people because it really can I, I honestly it's affecting me this time but I not to the point where I'll go do anything silly about it but I can really see how people when you're pregnant how it can affect you how it can affect yeah. how you feel how you determine your eating habits or do you know what I mean like I just don't mm. baffle I can't, I'm baffled at what people say to pregnant people these days have you had comments that are online about not, your body not, online. not as much and do you, the funny thing okay. is it's more strangers are very lovely like I've had so many people tell me how beautiful how glowing and that's what you say to a pregnant person by the way just anyone listening <laughs> you're glowing you are beautiful you look amazing even if you don't think they do that's what you say to a pregnant person yeah way, like things change you can't explain if you if you haven't gone through it you just don't know how the food aversions are real food aversions is a real thing you just, I feel like for a pregnant person to get pregnant is like the most magical thing to happen, a blessed thing to happen. People should not be trying to, say, people might, people say it not even thinking it's a bad thing. They just think, oh my God, you've got a belly, you've got huge, like you're huge now. 
which is yes. fine. I can tell the difference between some people going, genuinely going, oh, my God, you've got a belly. And that's what I really wanted in my first pregnancy. I wanted the belly. I wanted people to see and notice that I was pregnant. This time around, <laughs> I'm like, wait, am I? Am I? Am I big? Yeah. Like, am I big? For-? And I go to my maternal health, like, checkups, and I'm measuring normal. So I just don't understand why people have the thought to feel comment. like they can say that to you yeah yeah, I'm yeah. Like, you can say it but don't don't say it to me don't I already know I'm getting big that's what happens and then also like people are like oh my god you keep getting bigger and bigger I'm like what am I meant to do am I meant to get skinny I'm growing a human in my body I don't understand yeah. so last time I didn't really didn't affect me or I didn't think about this time I'm like really this time it is well yeah. yeah but I'm really annoyed I'm also thinking about all the other women who actually might struggle during their pregnancy I know people who mm. fluctuate people who get carpal tunnel things that you can't help yes I'm not saying you know let go of your pregnancy and eat whatever you want and be crazy and you know whatever I'm not yeah. saying that either I'm just saying I, I don't understand I've got a belly that's what happens like a baby grows it, that's all that is I don't know why people have yeah. the nerve to comment on people pregnant to comment people on it yeah yeah it yeah really so just me. kind of be mindful about the comments that you're making to women who are pregnant just because it it does it does have an impact you know on on how you feel about your body what are you noticing you know you're talking about in your last pregnancy it didn't really affect you but what do you think it is about this pregnancy besides these people saying these things are you having a different perception of your body during this pregnancy yeah I think I think you do I think this time around it's it's harder on your body and you're like whoa and you question you're like maybe I am big maybe I am like what if I am putting on lots of weight but then I look in the mirror I'm like I'm I'm happy with myself so as long as I'm happy with myself it's fine so for me I got asked this question the last pregnancy as well after like your pre uh, your postnatal body like your post birth mm. body do you feel pressured to like look a certain way I never care I don't honestly don't care what people think I don't feel pressured because I'm in the public eye and I do Instagram and whatever I don't feel pressured I want to look good for me though so I want to look good yes. so it's all in my mental health so I need mm. to feel good for myself I need to eat good I need to sleep well I need to do that for me so yeah. If I don't feel good, it's all, I don't let anyone else affect me, but it does affect me if I'm struggling with it myself personally. Yes, yeah, if, if I'm struggling with it. Inside you. Yeah, so yeah. this pregnancy, I'm already like, this is tough on my body. I'm already feeling stressed. I'm already, well, I was sick last week, so I like, haven't actually got to work out like I normally do. So I, when I have comments when I'm not well, when I'm down on my lowest, that's when it's the worst. And I always, yeah. that affects me then. But then I always think to myself, my mum reminded me, she's like, but you're growing a blessing. She's like, the, the one thing that you should be concerned about, not your body, it's a sacrifice. You should be concerned about your baby, making sure it's healthy. So that's the one thing I do revert back to. If I ever feel like after those comments, I would feel like shit about myself. My partner's really good with that. He always tells me I'm beautiful. He always says, no, don't listen to anyone else. And I was going, do you think I'm big? Am I big? Is that, am I big? He's like, no, <laughs> you're not. He's like, you're the most beautiful when you're pregnant. He's like, I loved you when you're pregnant. You're the most beautiful when you're pregnant. So he reassures me in that way. But I do have those moments. I think everyone has those moments when you're pregnant. You're like, oh, my God, I feel gross. I feel crap. Because when you are pregnant, you do go through all these hormonal things where you do feel shit and have people comment on that. It can make you feel shit. But I do have like a strong mind where I can flip that and I can change it. I just worry about people who don't have that, who can't have that or don't have that support network. So yeah. that's why I get, I'm that's getting really – Yeah, that's, what, and that's a good tip. But I'm also getting re- – I get really defensive when I think about other women who have to endure those comments 
who might not have the support network. So I've got like, you know, if my, my in-laws came last pregnancy and they helped me and I could go for my runs and go for my walks. But like if people don't have that, you know, it's hard to get that, that yeah. workout or, you know, the motivation to do it. Yeah. So it's a good thing to remember for yourself to focus on, I guess, like your mum was saying, focus on your baby and you're growing a blessing and, and that kind of helps to like, not I guess remove the comments, but just refocus Focus. your mind onto something else. Exactly, you know, yeah. Because I was positive, and I was with the other girl that was at the party with me that got the comment as well. When we were both like, <laughs> we were just so taken back. Like, what? What? Who says that? Um, yeah. I, she even said to me, she's like, "Well, we're growing babies, and that's the main concern." I said, "Exactly, we're growing babies, and we just want them to be healthy. We don't need, you know, people can comment all they want. It can affect mm-hmm. you to a point." But that's another thing I live my life by. Never let anyone affect or dictate how you live your life. That's like, yeah. yeah. So it's all in the mind. It's, it's, it's all in the it's mind. mind. You've got to reprogram the mind. It's, 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 <laughs> it sucks because like sometimes you just want those nice comments. And that's why I say to people, what you say to a pregnant person is you're glowing. You look amazing. You don't say anything else. That's all you need to say. If you think they look big, you just zip it and you can think it and you don't say it to them. Don't project it to them. <laughs> Yeah, they already know they're they're growing a baby. Exactly. So. <laughs> That's like I'm growing. Yeah. Every time people like, there's some people who like don't mean it in a malicious way at all, and I can tell. Yeah. But there were the ones who were like, "Oh my god, you keep growing, you keep growing." I'm like, "Well, what am I meant to do?" I'm like, "My baby's growing. I'm not. I'm not going to yeah. And the other thing I also want to tell, I want to tell other pregnant people, or like, don't compare your yourself or your pregnancy journey to anyone else's because. Seriously, if you're going, oh, well, I'm 16 weeks and she's 16 weeks and she's much tinier than me at 16 weeks, that has, it's not a competition who is the tiniest mm-hmm. pregnant person. It's not a competition at all and it's not – you just don't know what people are going through. People are taller. Yeah. People carry different. So you can't compare yourself. So I always say that to people because when I was first pregnant, they're like, oh, I was I was already showing at this age. And I was like, no, but does not matter? Like I'm a bit taller than you. Like I, you know, I've got wider hips or whatever, like compared to other people. So that's why I don't like it when people compare as well. That's another thing that annoys me with pregnancy. I'm like, yes, other people carry different. So please do not compare yourself to any other pregnant person. Yeah. There's always, everybody's going through their own journey, right? Through their pregnancy and who knows what's going on behind the scenes. You just never know either. So just to be mindful of that. Now, one of the things uh, that I want to ask you about is what is the most surprising thing that you've learned along your journey that you think women should know in relation to either fertility, pregnancy, body image? What have you learned that you could pass on to other women that you've learned? Look, there's so many things I've learned. Um, one thing is there's no manual to be the perfect mum. There's no manual. So unless you are perfect mum and you have the manual, you don't need to comment on anyone. You don't need to tear another mum down, which is something that a lot of mums on Instagram love to do. Like, oh, I do this and you haven't cut this right and this is wrong, which I got the first time pregnancy. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm learning this as I go. But there's so many things you'll learn. Like, I didn't even know. Like, there's some babies don't take bottles or they don't breastfeed, they don't latch, like all these other things you'll learn. But the number one thing I learned is that you will learn on the fly, you will learn it as you go, and the one meme that I live by that I saw, it was like there was no perfect mum, but there was a million ways to be a great mum. And I've learned that because I think I live by that because I think there are so many ways you can be a great mum as long as you're loving and caring for your child. That's yeah. the main thing. The other yeah. thing is that I've learned is that 
I know a lot of people, a lot of mums don't like giving advice from other mums. They just don't. They, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know. Um, I personally, I love to hear everyone's advice. I love to hear every mum's, you know, hacks, trades, like tricks of the trade, whatever they have. Um, I know people just don't like it. They're just like, keep your advice to yourself. I love hearing it. I just smile and nod and take it all in. And some of it works for your child. Some of it may not. Some works because every child's different. We know that. I take it all in. I remember it. I'll use it if I need to. I'll try it. Some things don't work. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work for my child, but whatever. Some things do. And then they're amazing. It's gold. And I love to pass on all the different advice that I've heard because I'll hear a different story from a different mum. And I say, hey, look, this didn't work for my child, but another mum suggested this. And I'll pass it on. I never shove it down people's throat, but that's another thing that I've learned. It's always um, good to get advice from different people, different parents. And I think it's knowledge is power. So I always think, I try and take as much as I you know, can. I don't. I never get shy. Even if it's criticism, people come at you. It's the way people do it sometimes. People on Instagram, yeah. if they want to, like, attack you for doing something, like I've had a few other mums who have talked about it, they attack you, they get really angry that you're not doing right, you're not cutting the grapes the right way or whatever, <laughs> you can choke your child. The last thing we want to yeah. do is choke our child. But, hey, if you don't know, if you haven't been trained in it, that's okay. So you just go, yep, thanks for the information, thank you. But don't get so mad. It's okay. My child survived. It's all good. So I just yeah. feel like... You know, there's, yeah, that's a few things that I've learned. You're always constantly learning on the on the go with parenthood anyway. Yeah, and also learning about your child and what your child actually, what works for them. And, I mean, you know, you're going to be the best person to figure that out, right? Yeah. So that's a really good piece of advice to kind of take on board things that work and then if it doesn't work for you, just kind of let that go. Exactly. Uh, so I'm really interested to know if you see yourself differently in terms of your identity as a woman, because pre-baby, pre-being a mum, I'm interested to see if you perceived yourself in a different way as a woman compared to now. It's so funny because you don't know it until you go through it. And I always say, I feel like I lost a bit of myself because you sacrifice so much of yourself as a mum that I feel like I have. But I say that in a good way. I don't I don't say it in a bad way, like I've lost myself, I don't know who I am. But you you kind of just like give up a bit of yourself and you kind of project it onto your kids. So I feel like I I'm still me, I'm still immature as well. I feel like I need, I'm still gonna grow up. I feel like I'm 33 and I'm not I don't adult well. Even my partner, if I like dealing with a you know, my child's emotions, I always can sometimes lose it and not have it together I'm like that's not what a mum would do like keep it together my partner's like you're so irrational like you're the child what are you doing but I feel like I have I've definitely learned a lot I've definitely grown as well um it feels like I've been reborn that sounds really corny and cliche but it really does and I feel like um you learn so much as a mum. You learn more on the go. But also, so my mum, she had me quite young as a child. So she was 18 when she had me. So she was a child. So I feel like, not saying I didn't get a great upbringing or anything like that. I just feel like there was a lot of things that growing up, for example, I never really was read to as a child. I didn't really read to. So I want to do everything that I'm not and put it onto my child. So that's how I've definitely, like, changed into a person who I want to be, the mother I want to be, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I've been reading to my, like, Ryu since he was, like, born. And even my mother-in-law was like, oh, you know, he's just a baby. And I was like, no, no, no. But I feel like it's like it's really made a difference, like reading to him, doing all those small little things that I wasn't really 
given as a child as from my parents. Not saying that was my my parents did an amazing job, and I mean I think they did a really good job. But I feel like me as a parent, I'm like changing to who I want to be, how I want to be a parent, the best parent I can yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I think there is. I mean, obviously, everyone goes through their own journey, and and you won't know until you actually go through it. But but even just when I think about it, and I'm not a parent, I'm not a mum, and when I think about it, I just imagine that it would be a huge a huge change just mentally about how you see yourself. And of course, you're still going to be the same person, but you also have a responsibility as a parent and a mum and and all those other things that maybe didn't come out before because you didn't have a child start to come out, you know, things about yourself that you didn't really realise you had in you, I suppose. Exactly. And that's the other thing. Even like it sounds really lame, but the way I dress is different now. I always go, well, I'm a mum now. I can't do that. Like, And it's not saying I can't do it because I'm a mum. I'm just saying I don't feel like comfortable doing it. I don't want to. I want to be like this respected figure. But And it's funny because my parent, my my partner and I, we have different parenting styles. Like he's very rational, good cop, like say things with, like with love. I'm like, no, 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 you're doing, this is wrong. You need to, you need to learn from this. So like, even like my partner's like, no, 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 he's okay. He'll be fine. I'm like, no, he needs to know it's not right. He's like, he's one. I'm like, I don't care. I said to him, I said, you need to help me clean up the other day. He's two now. I said in his playroom, he loves to make a mess. And I said, David, he needs to clean it up. And David's like, no, no, it's all right. I'll clean it up later. I said, no, no, no. He needs to learn to put things away. And I said to Ryu, I said, Ryu, let's go put your stuff away. And he's like, nope. And I said, Ryu, if you don't do it, I'm going to chuck your, his favorite toy at the moment is a car park toy. I said, I'll chuck the car park in the bin. And David's like, oh, mortified. He's like, that is so mean. I would never do that as a parent. I'm like, David, back off. This is my, this is my thing. And I said, if you don't do it, I'm going to chuck it in the bin. So I'm that type of parent. And fair enough, he went and got all the little things and put it away and packed up his stuff and I gave him back his thing. And David said, I didn't think you'd do it. And I said, no, neither did I. But I'm like, I didn't want to, I felt bad doing that. I would never go to chuck it in the bin. But yeah. you needed to tell him what what what's right and wrong was David's very like using loving words he's like that parent that's very soft natured I'm just like (laughs) I don't care if you like me right now but you need to learn that this is what you need to do yeah so all those kinds of things will will come out obviously and you don't know that before you have a child until you actually have a child and you're going through it right yeah so you touched on before your approach to pregnancy in terms of your health and wellness so Let's go into that. What specifically are you doing at the moment? We can we can talk about pre-pregnancy, but yeah. whilst since you're pregnant, what are you doing in terms of your nutrition and your workouts and your exercises? What have you been doing to stay healthy and well during your pregnancy? Yeah. Well, first, it does actually start from before you're pregnant as well. I will say that because I honestly didn't read any of the books. David, my partner, read them before me. So he made me. He's like, you need to read this book. And I think like the, the three books that I read before pregnancy were like, um, pregnancy, real food for pregnancy, and the better, better baby book or the health, the better. I think it's the better baby book. It's like Alana Asprey and Dave Asprey, um, and then there's like the content, the contented baby book, and all, all of them basically say your pre your prenatal vitamins are like very important. So you need to get those into you beforehand. And it's like getting basically, David and I call it getting the vessel ready, <laughs> getting the body ready. <laughs> and I think all of those contribute to having a healthier, happier baby. So mm. also with the prenatal, so for example, I took some prenatals beforehand, which is one of the standard ones that are marketed to you, which is Elevate, right? Um, I got really sick on Elevate and I 
didn't know why, didn't really look at the ingredients. I just thought it's, you know, what we're told to do. It's the thing I should have. It's actually really not that great for you. Like Elevate isn't yeah. actually great. So my partner started researching and looking at different brands and what was in the brands. Um, so I started taking the Thorn brand, which this is no plug, by the way. I'm not sponsored. I'm not paid to not talk sponsored. about this. is not sponsored. I'm not paid <laughs> to talk about this. But I've literally just like this is what I found in my, my pregnancy journey, what worked for me and what I liked. Um, the Thorn brand was the best. I don't get sick on it. It's got everything you need to. Every books that I read with the had no connection, no correlation. Um, everything that's that they say you should have in a pregnancy or prenatal is in these tablets. Um, so that's my first and foremost thing. Lots of water, lots of sleep. Sounds lame, corny and cliche again, but that's true. Just eating right, cutting out crap like seed oils, which everything has seed oils in. Like I literally bought forty five dollar crispy chips because I'm craving crispy chips. The other day, it was a 500-gram bag, but it's got three ingredients. It's got, like, olive oil, oil, potatoes, and sea salt. Um, Lots of just protein and veg. I take a really good uh, fish oil, uh, fish tablet, and my partner's been making me take beef liver tablets as well. But exercise-wise, I've been taking it really, like, during pregnancy. I've just been doing anything I can – swimming, walking. I was running up until a certain – I think it was, like, 20 weeks – could go a bit further, but I wanted to take it easy because this pregnancy was a bit harder this time around. Yeah. But the main thing I'm just trying to do, and it's also great for my mental health, is just walking, just swimming, anything little, minimal impact. I would love to keep doing my reformer exercise, but we've moved, so it's a bit further for me to get to. So I was doing mega reformer last pregnancy and the start of this pregnancy, which is the main things. And I find that they have helped me during pregnancy and even during the birth for my last pregnancy. Yeah, 100%. Well, we're always going to plug Pilates. No one can um, yeah. no one can kind of <laughs> negate knock Pilates yeah. for sure. That's so cool. I think it's really great to hear about, especially about the prenatal sups as well because that is one thing that I do think is widely spread in terms of messaging is that we hear that, okay, you just need to take the subs. But I think it's also important, like you said, to listen to your body because obviously there's there can it can impact your body in a certain way and everybody is different. And so listen yep. to your body and, and sort of do what works for you exactly. instead of just listening. Yeah, And not just, just like what's marketed as the main one or like what's marketed as like actually read what's in the ingredients. I know lots of people talk about it and think about it, but they don't actually do it. And they just go, oh, well, yeah. you know, it's marketed to us as that. That's how it's, that's how it's meant to be and that's what I thought too it wasn't until we actually started doing the like I read books and I'm, I'm not a reader like I should read more I just don't read books I'm very lazy in that sense um, but it wasn't until David forced me he's like you need to read these books and when I started reading them and actually looking into the stuff and how you know fertility works and how your body works that was when I was really paying attention because like mm-hmm. diet is a big key in pregnancy Hugely it's important. huge yeah. and I know we we talk about it, we, we know it is, but like a lot of people don't actually put it into practice. But I think we looked at all these other things that said also if you take like a teaspoon of like raw egg, um, not raw egg, like caviar or whatever it is, like salmon raw eggs in your third trimester, your child is or can be smart or a genius. This doctor was talking about it. So right. we thought we'd give it a go. I did it my last trimester. I mean, I'm not saying my, every, every mum thinks that the child's a genius, but my child's actually very smart. Right? He's very smart. I mean, every kid different. Every kid's very smart in their own way. But we, obviously, parents being biased. He can pick out five countries on the globe. Like that's Australia, New Zealand, Russia, China, and Africa. He can pick them out, knows them off by heart, 
can pick him out in other globes as well, not just the globe that we have. So like yeah. little things like that were like, oh, he is actually, he switched on. Switched on. <laughs> it's, the, it's the salmon, the salmon rose. <laughs> Love it. Just make sure, yeah, I think guys listening to to, to uh, do, do the research. research. Like, yeah, do your, yeah, own, do research. your own research. Don't do what I'm telling you, but we did our own research first and that's what I was comfortable doing. Because some people might not be comfortable taking like raw fish eggs in their third trimester. Like, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of things, even in the book, one of the books I read, we've, we're told to eat hard-boiled eggs. Like you can't have them running for, you know, salmonella or whatever. But in the yeah. book that I read, it said to have them a little bit runny. Like have to have them, ha- right. which is very controversial because that's not what that is not what's been marketed to us to have. But yes. obviously, they also say you have to have it. It has to be pastured eggs. It has to be like organic. It can't just be like caged eggs. So yeah. you have to read yeah. the book for. I like, have to read the stuff to understand it. But a lot of it was different to what you've been told as what's as been told. Well, yeah, when you go to your maternal health, you're told to have everything cooked and everything well done. Um, but some of the books I had, I don't personally like eggs. So for me to have runny eggs is very hard. So I couldn't have runny eggs at all. But yeah. I, I try to have as many scrambled eggs as I can because eggs, the two things that were the most nutritional beneficial things when you're pregnant in both books were eggs, 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 and olives. And the, mm-hmm. the two things I do not like the most, but <laughs> I force them down every pregnancy. I'm like, Ugh have to do it because I'm like, it's good and I feel yeah. like it has made a difference. Um, I do see the results in my child. <laughs> Let's see what this one comes out like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it goes yeah, well, two I'll, for two. I'll come back to you next time. <laughs> Report back. Report yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things that you, which I think is really cool, is you uh, competed in a boxing fight. This is back in 2019. And <laughs> I find uh, sport, but particularly boxing, to be so great for your body and your mind as well. And, you know, I've been boxing for quite a few years as well, so I I really love it. So I'm interested to know how you went with your training (laughs) and what the fight journey was like for you Uh, because boxing, if you haven't ever done it before – and especially if you're going to step into the ring, yeah. <laughs> it can be quite scary. And and just the sport in general is is very, it's it's a, it's a different sport, right? Yeah, yeah it's intense. So yeah. tell me tell me about your journey with boxing. Well, it was so funny because um, I know the boys at Team Ellis, and I used to just train with them just for fun to go train. And my girlfriend, one of my good friends, she is one of the ring girls that do the cards, and she was talking about, oh, you know, you should do a fight. And we're just joking about it. And in my head, it always like, starts that way. Pack. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, it just started off as shits and gigs for start because I was like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get a six pack. I'm gonna train real hard. I was like, I'll train real hard. I probably won't even fight. Let's be real, I'm not gonna fight. But I just kept saying, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So they're like, yeah, it's an intense program. It's like it was 12 weeks or something like that. So it was three months training beforehand. And I'm, like, I'm gonna get ripped. I'm gonna get in the best shape I ever did, and I was actually in the best shape I ever was. Like, I need to get back into boxing after this pregnancy for sure. Um, and I was loving myself sick. I was loving my ripped body. I was loving. I had to cut a bit of weight as well, so I felt like a real professional um, doing all the training. And then it got to like a few weeks out, and they were like, "We're gonna do some sparring now." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And like, "We're gonna spar now with the people, so you're actually gonna get hit." And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 I can get hit. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, that's what you do in a fight. That's what you do in a boxing fight. You get hit back. And I was like, yeah. oh, like, you got to make sure you can take a hit. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this out of that. So I did my first sparring <laughs> session the week before the fight. And I was what? Yeah. I was like, well, I was fighting with the boys. Only a week, out. a week out. Oh, my goodness. And it was that is of, so close. In the program, there's 
you don't know who you're fighting. So there's a group of girls who you do the sparring with and one of them is the girl that you're going to be fighting. And I was like, they were all like, that was their thing. They wanted to get into a ring. I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. My, my, my bark is worse than my bite. So I can be a smart ass and I can say a lot of things and you cut, cut people with my words, but with, I'm not like a fighter. So when we're doing the sparring, I'd hit someone and go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then I'd get hit back. I'm like, oh, that really hurt. Like, oh. So I was like not comprehending. And then I said to the boys, I don't know if I can do this. So I started really panicking and like having like, like not panic attacks, but like real full on like oh, I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I can do this and I started psyching myself out and then my partner on the day he was more nervous for me the night of the fight he was like no you don't have to do it let's just go home you have to do it and I was like no no no, I cannot do it people are here to support me I can't pull out now and I remember when they were taking up my getting I was getting ready to go out and they're like what is the one thing that is scaring you about this I said getting knocked out and they said in the three, the three years we've done, the, how many years we've done this, no one's ever got knocked out. It's like an amateur fight. Like you've got head, like you've got a headgear on, you've got gloves, you're fine. And I'm like, someone literally just got knocked out before. One of the guys got knocked out before and he was in the full headgear. And they said, oh, just ignore him. Don't worry about him. That, 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 no one's ever got knocked out. That was the first time in however many years. So I was even more nervous. Oh, and gosh. I got in the fight and the girl who I was fighting was actually three kilos heavier than me because she didn't make weight. Anyway, got into the fight, but then all of a sudden adrenaline just took over. Adrenaline just took mm. over. I didn't feel anything. I As soon as I got the first hit, I was like in defense mode. And all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but all my training just come back to me and mm. I just happened. And I won the fight, obviously. Yeah. But like the training just kicked in and I just remember everyone was like, oh, my God, you're doing like the right step in the hook. And I was like, I know, I don't know where that come from. It was just a defense <laughs> mode. And then after, I'm like, I can do this again. I want to do it again. David's like, no, you're retiring. My partner was like, no, let's have some babies. No more. Let me have some yeah. babies. But I actually oh, thought it was the best, the best experience ever. And I highly recommend it to everyone because whilst it's like the fear of that, you know, getting into like a ring and going into war, it was so scary. But the adrenaline when you get in there and – it just all the training comes to you naturally. It's just amazing. I was like, I forget everything I've learned. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. And then I got in the ring, got my first hit, and I was like, oh, nah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I had to do. I know how to protect yeah. myself. But I also think it's really beneficial for anyone for a discipline um, workout and see just protecting yourself, like knowing what you do because not, naturally when I was doing the first sparring session, when I was getting hit, my natural reaction was to like go away from it. I was like, ah, get yes. away from me, which is the worst thing you can do because that's where you're like, that's where the power from the punches come. But if you go into it, the punches don't hurt you much, which is the most unnatural thing to do. So It's so I, counterintuitive, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. And it was so yeah. funny because I learned so much from it and I loved it. I loved every, I highly recommend it to everyone to do at least once. Like maybe not a fight, but do the training at least. and Do the training, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel the same about boxing. I've not fought and I don't plan on fighting. I have sparred before. I think it's the most it's the most it's terrifying scary. thing ever. It's scary, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and it's a totally counterintuitive in, in terms of like, yeah, you do, you do, obviously you don't want to get hit, so you're trying to move away from it. But like you said, you, you actually have to move into where it. your power is, is moving into it and, you know, it, it does hurt a little, but, yeah. but like you said, you sort of you sort of get used to it. But and it's funny because the sparring comparison to the sparring versus the fight, the sparring I felt everything. I felt the punches. I felt it the night. I didn't feel anything. I didn't yeah. feel anything to the next day. I was like, oh, I've got a bit of a headache, or I've got a bit of a bruise here. Oh, 
Maybe I got hit yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just all the adrenaline rushing through all your body. All the adrenaline, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what, are the, what do you think the biggest lesson is that you learned from boxing about yourself? What did you learn about yourself through oh, boxing? I don't know, that I am, like, capable of doing that. Like, if you push mm. yourself and if you believe in yourself enough, you can do it. Like, you can actually get through it. I Honestly, I at one point I didn't believe in myself. But then I think the training, everything helped me. I was well equipped. I just, yeah, I feel like I was, I learned a lot, but a lot of it was just more mind as well, mind over matter. And I keep saying that, mind over matter, but that was literally what it took for me to get in that ring. Yeah, 100%. I th- boxing is such a mental sport. So apart from the physical part, once you get past that, it is so mental and that's the great thing about it is because you're working your mental fitness as well when you box. So, yeah, that's really cool that you're into it as well because I, I love boxing. We need to go do it. We'll yes, go do a special we'll do it. I once to, you've had it. I was going to say, when I, as soon as this baby's out, I'm going to do some boxing because that was the one thing I yeah. realised where I just noticed everything just – I just got really – I don't want to say ripped, but I did get like – I was in you the best shape. Toned. Yeah, I was in the best shape yeah. I, would, I would have ever been – Seriously, yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll do a session with yes. you after you've given birth yeah. <laughs> and you've had some time to recover. <laughs> All, right. All right, one of the things that I speak to all my guests about is rejection and failure because it's one of the things that we, or a couple of the things that we all experience in life. Yeah. So I'm interested to know, what has been your greatest or your biggest rejection or failure and what have you learned from it? Look, I can't think of any that's specific on the spot, but I, I, obviously I can tell you there's been so many and every failure or rejection I've learned from. But like I just know when I was at uni, I was going through, it sounds really lame when I say that loud, I was going through a breakup and I was like just letting someone affect me and letting someone dictate how I was doing my life. And I remember... I failed my first, like there was a unit that I had, it was economics and it was broken up into two exams. One exam I already failed, not by much, but I failed. So I needed to pass the next one to even pass the course. So I needed to get there. And it sounds really lame. I'm talking about like an exam here, but I mean the whole emotions of like a breakup and everything and the rejection of a breakup, mm. everything like that. Um, and this was like, this is my uni this is my livelihood like this is how I'm gonna make it in the world well, not make it in the world but how I need to move forward um and I remember going with my friend he was like look I'll help you he was really smart he was really good at it he's like I'm gonna help you we're gonna tutor we're gonna do it and I just remember going I can't do it like what's the point why what's the point of me trying like I'm not gonna try and he was like well that's the thing he's like why not try he's like are you going to let this person affect you, like your mental state? You're going to let this person affect mm. your, like this is going to affect, you're going to have to redo this course. You're going to have to redo this. It's going to cost you money. Like wh- why are you letting this little moment, this little feeling, what you're feeling now affect you for the rest of your life? Or like not even just the rest of your life, but like the next few months, like you're going to have to mm. redo this. Like what are you doing? Like just forget about what's going on in your life right now and pay attention to you. Do this for you, not anyone else. Do it for you. Yeah. So I learned yeah. that like, you should never let anyone dictate how you feel, how you maneuver your way around life. That was like one thing that I, from that point, I was like 18, I think it was, I went from straight from high school to uni straight away, no break, nothing. Like some people went on a year gap, but I just, I was like, just wanted to just power through. And I was already kind of like off it. And I was like exhausted, burnt out. But then I was like, you know what? That's so true. Like this person's not going to like help me get through this. Like I need to do this myself. So I feel like everything that you do in life is on you. Like you can't rely on people to make you happy or if you're, you know, I've done lots of acting as well and I've done lots of auditions and recently 
just before I was pregnant with this baby, I had a Netflix audition that it was like life-changing money, filmed in New Zealand, um, would have been just amazing to get. And it was the fact that I even got the opportunity was amazing. But everything that led for the self-test was just against me. Like we had to catch a flight back to Darwin. And on that flight, someone decided to turn the plane around because they were being disruptive. So we had to check the police. The police had to come on, had to change the flight. We didn't get, you know, a flight that day. We had to go the next day. It was ridiculous. And then so I was already in a shitty mood for my audition. But again, I was like, why am I letting this affect my mood? This is like something that could... You know, I didn't get it. But, again, that's my thing. I don't take rejection personally either. But it's always you have to change your mindset. It sounds annoying it's hard to do. But the one thing I've always learned is that you can never let anyone change or dictate what you feel. It's always up to you. You can't rely on someone else to make you happy. You can't rely on anyone else to do anything. It's just it sounds so alone, but it's always on you. Like you have to change it. It's up to you. That's where your power is, right? You exactly. you you have the control over how you think about certain things. So that's where you take your power back from those situations, which is really, that's really cool to hear. Now, my final question for you (laughs) is if you had an overarching life philosophy or a mantra that you try to live your life by, what would that be? Look, I don't, I don't really, I have like lots of different things I live my life by, but I feel like one that's always been consistent with me. I don't know if it's like a mantra or anything like that but it's always um for me to be my own person and to always stand in my own stuff like again I'm going down that road but it's always Mm -hmm. like I never care if I'm like standing on my own I'd rather just be on myself I'd rather um stick with my own like believe have your own beliefs and stick with them um, and then like I was saying before, there's a few that I live by. <laughs> like I don't have like one mantra or one thing. I'm always like taking different things from different people. Like I never say aspire to anyone. Always be the better version of yourself. So yeah. I always take good things from everyone that I see. Like when I meet them, when I grow up, whatever, I take all the good things from people and try and put that into the qualities that I like about myself. And then being a mum, Again, I was saying there was the, the meme I saw was don't ever like there's no there's no perfect mum, but there's a million ways to be a great mum. So I always live my life by those at the moment. That's one thing I've been like reminding myself every day. I'm like, but I don't do this for my child. I'm like, but I do this, but I love my child. So like as long as I love my child, I'm a great mum. So mm-hmm. I don't really like live my life by like mantras or whatever like that. I just kind of take different things from different people and try and be the better version of myself. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do. And I I do really like that. It's just to be the better version of you. And you can take information from lots of different people. But then at the end of the day, it's about you becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah, I would say never aspire to be anyone because people are like, oh, I aspire to be that person. I want to be that that person. And I'm like, but that person's not got every quality. It's not like every quality that you would like. And I feel like on social media, on TV, we all have a persona, a facade, not like a facade, but just we all have something. But then there's going to be one thing that that person doesn't agree with or you don't agree with. You're not going to align. So just take what you like from them and put it into yourself or, you know, use it for yourself. Don't aspire just to be one person, like be different, like different versions of better 
better versions of yourself, but use different things, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, yes. Be Sorry. a better version of you Ooh. using different things that you see, be. but just be you. Exactly. <laughs> you just articulate yeah. it better than I can articulate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Tani. This has been such a great chat and I'm sure everyone listening has gotten so much from hearing all about your journey and your insights. Now, where can people find you on social media, things like that? Where where can they find well, you? Well, I just, I basically just do... Oh, Instagram, which is tiny89. Mm-hmm. Twitter, I'm Tani Lou, um, T-A-H-N-Y-L-E-W. And that's about it, really. I don't really, I'm, I'm a boring mum now. I don't really do much on social media. I don't have a, I mean, I have a YouTube, but I don't really use it or anything like that. I do TikTok, but I don't even use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so mainly Instagram. She hangs out on Instagram. Main, so mainly Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to do is pop up Tani's Instagram and make sure you check it out, follow along for more updates about her journey into being a mum of two because that's going to be coming up very soon. Oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Tell us what you loved and learnt from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts and screenshot this episode, tag us and share it to your socials. Thank you so much for being on the show again Tani and thank you guys for listening we'll catch you next time on the Rach Active Podcast <laughs>